Hey everybody, welcome to You Are Born For This with Father John Ricardo, that's me. I'm your host and uh, the executive director of Acts 29, where we talk about anything and everything related to transforming, not just parishes, but the church. And as always, I'm here with uh, Mary and Nick, my co-hosts. Guys, it's good to have you back uh, in the midst of these crazy times. It is sure crazy day. It's great to be here. So Nick, what's our topic today? Father John, we have, a, we, have a, we have a great one lined up. It is unprecedented times, unprecedented prayer. Mm. Father, but so Father John, let's do that, right? Let's, let's pray. Yeah, right with that in mind, let's pray in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Father, we ask that you would bathe this conversation right now with the power of your Holy Spirit, uh, the Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, who continues to move uh, amongst us, who continues to inspire and to guide us, to give us the gift of wisdom, to illuminate our minds, uh, most especially in these uh, unprecedented days that we find ourselves living in right now. We just pray for your anointing on our conversation, that it would be fruitful to all who are listening, but most especially to those who actively serve in the church, that we might know what it is you're asking us to do and that you would give us the courage to do it. And we ask all this in Jesus's name. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. So I might just say something real quick. So, um, this really did come to us this morning. We had a completely other podcast uh, planned and then we felt like the Lord was giving us the inspiration. So we're going to act on this. So if this sounds like we're talking over each other, we probably are because <laughs> um, I just threw out some thoughts and uh, tried to act on what it is that we feel like the Lord wants us to do. And, and it's really prompted simply by this reality that we find ourselves living in right now, these unprecedented days and the simple uh, truth that none of us have ever been in a place like this, right? We've never lived in a time when the world has been more or less shut down. We're facing the economic uh, uncertainties that we have, um, all of the many ramifications that this is having in the culture at large and in the church in particular, right? So that's, that, that's where this comes from. Mar Mary, I know, you know, you read the news uh, more than any of us. I think you're just seeing headlines all the time and it's what, it's changing by the minute, so it seems, right? Yeah. Um I used to read the news all the time. I read the news less and less now because the news can be so heavy. But I did uh, take a look at the headlines yesterday because um, I believe the federal government was rolling out late in the afternoon some new guidelines about when we can like restart the economy. And um, and so I read. I, I read. Um, it's like a try. It's like a, a a phasic reopening. So it's governor driven. It's data driven, which I think is significant, or it was significant for me that it wasn't date driven, mm -hmm. which meant there's still this looming uncertainty, and um, and uh, I, I think I think we read something like there might be social distancing maybe through 2021, 2022. Sports may mm -hmm. not happen. Schools are encouraged not to get their false schedules going. And so the uncertainty continues. And I left the news uh, story yesterday somewhat uh, discouraged only because we don't have any more certainty than we had before. It was still vague. Right. And, um, but there's one thing that we do know, right? I mean, we live in uncertain times. Um, but the one thing that we do know is that um, as these times change, God is unchangeable. Right. No question. That's our confidence, right? Yeah. So, so on a general level, we've got this massive uncertainty, depending upon what state you live in. Uh, there's still a few states that aren't social distancing. We're here in Detroit and the Midwest. And, you know, we're, we're hearing some reports that are going to come out on 
later from our governor and perhaps beginning to you know bring some relief starting as early as may 1st it varies from place to place but in the church these days nick this is a this is a particularly trying time because of the uh, the variables that are out there and people just don't know like when are we going to be able to gather again right yeah i mean if you just think about uh so let's say these these stay at home orders start lifting I mean, social distancing, that's, that's not lifting immediately either, you know? So, I mean, just the implication of that alone, and, and I mean, that could be weeks, months, it could be, could be more over a year. I mean, you're not going back to mass and, and, and church programming or ministry in the same way. I mean, that's, that's, that's without question. Things are, for most of the country, or for at least certain portions of the country, we're not going to go back to, quote, normal, you know? Um, I mean, you can, you can envision you know, a church that normally could hold a thousand people is only allowed to have what hundred people there. I don't know. I mean, it's such a small number of people able to attend. So the, the trajectory is still, we are going to be under some significant impact from everything that's happening. And so with that said, best practices right now, those are like of no avail, yeah, right? There is, they're, they're gone. There's, there's no calling St. Joe's on the street and said, Hey, I heard that's working really well for you because <laughs> nobody, nobody knows what to do. This is completely unprecedented. But because we don't know what to do and we're all in it together on that, it gives us a really unique opportunity to respond in a different way. Yeah, and that's, that, that's, that really brings us to the heart of what it is we want to share. I mean, so uh, we, we, we sat in yesterday on a webinar from Amazing Parish, which was uh, really well done. Pat Lancioni and uh, did a, just a great job encouraging folks right now in these days, pastors in particular, like use this time to work on what he calls what Amazing Parish calls a culture of prayer. So lot, lots of, I mean, nobody's gathering right now, right? So some people are doing things like having remote meetings every day by Zoom or whatever other technology they're using. Other places, they're doing nothing, right? They're just going to they're going to ride this out and maybe get together whenever it's time for us to meet. We want to go a little bit deeper with that whole idea of a quote unquote culture of prayer. We want to talk about um, how to do that in a very particular way so as to seek the Lord for what it is that he's asking of us, mindful that best practices are useless right now. And before we can do that, it's just, it's, it's important, unfortunate, but important to just expose what all too often is the lack of culture of prayer in parishes or in diocesan structures, right? I mean, so, I mean, and, and I'll be the first one to admit it. I mean, I was, I've been a priest for 23 years. Um, it took us like two, three years at a parish, uh, the parish I most recently had a chance to serve at, uh, Mary, you and I were there together. I mean, we talked for two years about, hey, we should really be praying together every day as a staff. Like, and, and God was doing amazing things there, right? And because we were all busy, there was so much going on, even though we knew we should be doing something as a staff together, um, we, weren't, we, we weren't for a long time coming together every day for a prolonged amount of time, we got to 30 minutes every day as a team praying together. Instead, what happens uh, in most parishes and in most diocesan meetings is prayer is a formal item on an agenda and more often than not, it's rote. Isn't that right? Right. Um, you know, um, we did pray, 
we didn't pray deeply. And, and I think sometimes we, we, although well-intended, we would begin our meetings with prayer, but it was almost as if we were asking God to bless our agenda that we mm -hmm. put together and had been distributed on the table rather than asking God what his agenda was mm -hmm. and to bless it. And as we started to get very intentional about making prayer the priority, <laughs> uh, we were overwhelmed to, um, to kind of like step into that reality, that truth that A, God speaks, mm -hmm. and B, he acts. Yeah. And when we started to seek him before the Blessed Sacrament yeah. um, or, or together as a team, we started to see amazing things happen. We started to see the spirit move. And I, I remember one of, the, one of our great brothers uh, who was on team would, would often say, when this group of people get together, amazing things happen. Yeah, amen. And it was because God, who we call the architect, right, was doing amazing things in our midst, and we were now being informed by his plan. Awesome. You're teeing us up for where we're going to go. We're just not going to get there yet. Nick, you've seen it in a diocesan level too, right? Yeah, right. So both of my, my personal leadership and, and being led over the years, I, it's, um, I've, I've watched that that rope prayer happened at the start of something. And, and it, you know, in hindsight, it's always 2020, right? But looking back, it's like, man, that just felt so, yeah, God, please bless what we're doing. We might even say something like, Lord, we want to do your will, except <laughs> I never gave you space to reveal it. Right. <laughs> you know, and it's so important that we just ask him because uh, he does have the plans. And so in my, in, my, in, my, in my own journey of leadership, we went from doing more rope prayer to more chapel time, blessed sacrament time. Of course, we, right now it's social distancing, all these things. We're not going to be in the chapel together, but those, that, that, that intentional space to just go before the throne and say, Father, reveal to us, started yeah. to change everything we were doing. I mean, the plan, literally, we went from a place of kind of like busy ministry efforts uh, that were kind of sometimes fragmented. You know, good things were happening still, not to discount that. But then all of a sudden, you started to see um, bigger plans come that actually created real deep last start lasting transformation. And, um, it, but it, the other thing it did as a leader is it freed me from thinking failure and success was dependent upon me. It helped me yeah. stay in a place of humility and say, father, this is your plan. Right. Right. So we're going to get there. So I, again, I just want to keep repeating. Unfortunately, the norm so often in church life is not that the norm is formal prayer. Uh, I was talking to a diocesan leader not too long ago. She, she had been asked to lead the prayer before um, meetings at a pretty high level. And so she would take 20, 25 minutes um, and just kind of invite people to seek the Lord. Let's kind of wait on him. Let's listen to him. And after a couple of times doing that, the, the person who was leading the meeting said, hey, thanks very much for doing this. Um, I'm going to ask somebody else to do this. We don't have time for this. These are leaders in the church. That's the response. We don't have time for this. We have a lot of work to do. And so uh, I know for me, one of, the, one of the most powerful examples of this that I saw was the leadership of Archbishop Vigneron here in the Archdiocese of Detroit, together with uh, now Archbishop Burns, who's the Archbishop in Guam, in the meetings that we had uh, as a leadership team for what became a synod here in the Archdiocese of Detroit on the new evangelization. And so we would meet you know, every week or so for about three hours. And the first half hour of every meeting was time in front of the Blessed Sacrament that one of us would lead. We had a general theme. So we would be together for a half hour. Bring, we didn't even know we were going to do a synod, quite frankly. It, it, that came from our prayer. And then Archbishop Burns, who was leading the meetings, uh, 
he was asked to do that by Archbishop Vigneron, he would spend the first 15 minutes of the meeting after a half hour already, just soliciting from people, what did the Lord say? What mm. did you hear? And that's what, that's what created a brand new culture of prayer, where it wasn't just, hey, we're saying some prayers together. We were listening, and then we were talking about what it is that we had heard. And maybe before anything else, it's just so important to stress, especially given some of the comments that we've seen in the news lately, uh, this kind of an approach, this is not at all in conflict with science, with reason, um, with using our minds, right? I mean, so it's, it's really a worldview question. Mary, you talked about this just a moment ago, like either God is real or he's not. And if he is, either he acts or he doesn't. Like either he's this detached, distant deity who, you know, like created the world, but then that's kind of it. He just lets us run our course. Or he's a God who not only created, but he continues to love, he continues to intervene. And this whole purpose of the, or not the purpose, but one of the many messages of the season of Easter is God is a God who acts, who liberates, who saves, who rescues. And because he did that, we have all the confidence in the world to trust that he continues to act. And as you said, Mary, he continues to speak. You know, and, um, and, and, and so that's, that's, he usually speaks, usually speaks in ordinary ways through our through inspirations, through ideas. Uh, again, the, the point here is simply to say, this is not in conflict with reason. Like we're not, we're not trying to be unscientific or to disregard the, the, the beauty and the power of the mind to come to solutions. What we do is we ask God to give us inspirations. I'm sorry, Mary, you're going to say something. No, no. Um, uh, I think I forgot what I was going to say, Father, quite honestly, but um, um, you know, this is a time right now to press into the word of God. I mean, I, I think you've talked about that on other podcasts and um, we have access now to the father because of what Jesus has done for us. And um, as we press into the word of God, um, I'm reminded of something uh, Fleming Rutledge noted. We talk about Fleming Rutledge all the time on podcast. She's uh, her works have really informed our works. She made a, a point of saying that, um, uh, it's not too strong a statement to say that the entire structure of Christianity stands on the foundation of these three words and God said, mm. and it's mentioned something like 1900 times in the word of God that God speaks. And yes, he speaks through people. He speaks through circumstances, events, inspirations, creation. He mediates himself in all kinds of ways. And, and that, and that really goes back to our first principle, you know, um, reacquiring a biblical worldview. And we, when we can see reality for what it is, it transforms our minds. Right. And we can start to see things and, and experience things that perhaps we might not have experienced before. Right. So our let minds me, have been removed. Let me just review for people who don't know. So we have what we call three essential principles for parish transformation or in a wider setting for transformation of the church. And Nick, you, you, you were fond very early on of uh, just encouraging us to see these three things, not just as principles, but as an alloy, right? That's right. Yeah. So, so to, to take these as individual pieces, one of these three, mm -hmm. to separate them, loses the, the unique dynamism of when they're together. Something entirely new is created when you put these three things in play together. So, so what, what are, are those what three? Are the three right? yeah. What are those three? The first one 
we call um, reacquiring a biblical worldview, right? And so we've unpacked that in some of our podcasts. We talked about um, uh, the, the, the four parts of the gospel, right? We say created, captured, rescued, response. And so that's just basically, so, so if we're talking about going to prayer, one of the goals of that is to remember, to remind ourselves, or to learn for the first time, perhaps, really, who am I, as, who is the architect? Who is God? And who am I? You know, and so when I have the identity piece and when I remember who God is and that he does act and he does speak, it really helps me. But, but talking about that third principle here in a second, God's architect is not enough to go to the architect by myself as a leader. I need to go with a team. Hmm. So we like to call that second principle is not enough to be a staff. We have to become more than a staff. We have to go from a being a staff to being a team and more than a team because a team is not a biblical concept, but a family is. God himself is a family. We know this. And so we have to become a family. And so we have that kind of atmosphere. When we go to the architect together, that third principle, consulting God for his plans, suddenly the other two principles become a unique dynamism where together we're falling on our face before the throne of God and saying, Father, show us your plans. As a leader right now, if you're a pastor or a lay leader or, or even a bishop, I don't have to know what to do. I have to know where to go. Right. And where I'm and going is to the, to the king. But right, so we keep, the two of you have used this expression a lot, and perhaps some of you are wondering where the heck this comes from, the architect. So that is the third principle. So in, in a lot of ways, the whole intended output of our work, our ministry in Acts 29, is this third essential principle, which we call God is the architect. What the heck does that mean, right? What it means is simply this. We believe that God has a plan already for every diocese, and for every parish, and for that matter, for every marriage and family. So, I mean, if, if you're just listening to this and you're an individual, you're a married couple or you're a family, this applies to you too, what we're going to try to share. But we're passionate about this, and it's very biblical, and it comes in a lot of places, but more powerfully for us, it comes from the book of Exodus, starting in Exodus 25, when God's speaking to Moses as he's leading the Israelites through the desert wanderings. They've left slavery behind. They're on their way into the promised land, and, and God instructs Moses to build the tabernacle, the sanctuary, this tent of meeting. And, and God says to Moses on a number of occasions, build according to the plan or the pattern that I will show you. In other words, Moses' task is not to get a bunch of people together around a table and brainstorm about, hey, what do you think the tabernacle should look like? Or in our situation right now, the urgent work is not to get a bunch of people together in a Zoom call and to do a brainstorming session like, hey, like, I don't think we're going to be able to be gathering for a couple of months still. What do you think we should be doing? Moses' task, together with those around him who he trusted the closest, was to get on his face, confident that God acts because they just experienced liberation from slavery in Egypt, and to ask him to show him the plan. And God showed him the plan. And then God said, and I have equipped individual persons in your midst with particular gifts to actualize the plan. And that's exactly the image for this day and age right now. It's very important for us to get together and to talk, but only after we have found a way to get together the, the bishop and the closest people to him, the pastor and the closest people to him, people who he knows have no agenda but God's agenda. 
who only want what God wants, people who can be honest, candid, respectful, who can push back, um, who are not just going to be yes men or yes women and say, here's what I think God is saying to us right now about what we should do in our diocese, our parish, in this concrete moment, these unprecedented days that we're living in, right? Father, as I'm listening to you speak, I'm thinking about what's not in play in, in, a, in a conversation like that um, is politics. Right. You know, uh, w- one of our good friends uh, said to us at one point in the, midst of a con- in the middle of a conversation we were having, we only want what God wants, right? And when that's what's on everybody's heart, um, we all win, because uh, there's no egos in, in play, and that's part of that healthy team piece. But as I'm listening to you unpack uh, uh, Exodus, I can't imagine the sigh of relief that Moses must have breathed to know that God was supplying everything that he needed. Hmm. Like he didn't have to come up with this on his own. And oh, by the way, I'm going to surround you with people that can help you do this. Uh, that should cause all of us to drop our shoulders in these days and trust that as I come alongside my brothers and sisters, we're all in this together. We're going to come before the king and, and I'm going to be okay with that. It's not all up to me. Right. That's right. I mean, we, we say this all the time in our work, but it's so important right now. Like God is not nervous right now. God's not going, Oh my gosh. Like I didn't see this coming. I really don't know what to do. Like God's not anxious. Therefore I don't need to be anxious. What I need to do is I need to seek him and to ask for his inspiration. We had, Mary, when you and I were serving at Our Lady of Good Counsel in Plymouth, Michigan, we were part of a, a building expansion that was going on, and, and there was a great image that God gave to us that we use repeatedly when we try to teach this principle to people. And the image was in the parking lot, um, just outside the existing church, uh, one day showed up a trailer, you know, just like one of those minimal, um, small uh, portable trailers. And every day I would see these two guys walk into the trailer very early in the morning and they'd spend 30, 40 minutes. And then they'd walk out of the trailer and they'd put their hard hats on and they'd go to the construction site. And then periodically back and forth, they would go in the course of the day from the site to the trailer, from the trailer to the site. Well, what was in the trailer? Blueprints. Blueprints. Right? <laughs> yeah, the yeah, architect's blueprints. plan. So, yeah, and so that image for us has been such a helpful image. In fact, it's so helpful. What, what do we have above our, uh, hanging above our, our uh, chapel in the office, Nick? What's the sign? Oh, the construction site. Yeah. So, no, the, uh, in, oh, sorry, the, the trailer, the other yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> so above our chapel, conference we have a room, sign yep. that says uh, the trailer, and above our conference room is another sign that says the construction site. And we spend, as a team, We spend most of our time, because we're a small team, we spend most of our time around a table doing our work collaboratively. Now it's around a Zoom call. Um, But but the rest of the day, we're in the trailer talking to the architect. In fact, we had a conversation um, just to talk about practically how this works with a great friend, a guy that we wanted to work with who had invited us to be part of uh, an initiative that they were doing. And Nick, just speak into that, which is to how that works, because there's a great concrete example of how to apply going to the architect as you're discerning whether or not you should do something. 
Yeah, absolutely. So um, kind of a humorous story, right? So we're, we're, we're at our conference room table. We're live on a phone call with this fantastic apostolate who's offering us and inviting us to, to like a mutually edifying situation, right? We're going we're gonna to have a little bit of a platform to get our message and our voice out that we think God's given us. And then they're going to they're gonna receive the benefit of that content for their platform. And so it was just like this, a win-win. How could you possibly lose doing this, doing this great opportunity? Um, but in the middle of this conversation with this, with this great friend of ours, we just go, hey, you know what? We haven't gone to the architect yet on this. Um, we're going to jump off the call. We're going to go consult the architect. We're going to come back on a call with you in a little bit. They said, great, I'll do the same thing. So we ran over to the chapel. We sit down um, just, to, just to talk to the Lord and ask him, like, Lord, is this what you want us to do? And if so, like, when might you, ask, when might you be asking us to do this? And sure enough, we're, I, mean, I don't know, we're in there 10, 15 minutes for the John goes, are you, turns and goes, are you guys is uh, getting as obvious of an answer as me? <laughs> so we kind of chuckle. We go back in to the, that, that construction site. We start discussing and quickly we all come to the conclusion that right now is not the time we're taking a pass on doing this right now. And the relief that brought, because there was different pressures there uh, for us to fulfill, we get on the phone call with that friend, say, hey, here's where we're at. And they said the same thing, didn't they? Yeah, you know what? I think it's not the right time either. So anyway, tremendous clarity by simply pausing, going and asking God, Father, is this what you're asking us to do? Lord, is this what you want? Getting clarity and saying no to a great opportunity, at least for the time being. I mean, that was the architect at work right there. Yeah, and the key is, like, this didn't happen from us sitting around the table yelling at each other or talking with each other first and going, oh, what do you want to do? I don't know. What do you want to do? I'm not sure. Like, uh, like we just said, hey, pause. Let's go ask the Lord. Mm-hmm. And then let's come back. And, and here's the key, right? This is the, the, the all-important thing. How do you discern what you hear from God? You go at it. <laughs> this is the part that's important just to stress, right? I mean, the answer doesn't fall from the sky. It's not like we saw handwriting on the wall in the chapel. We asked the Lord, like, Lord, give me some ideas here. Like, help me to understand what you're asking me to do. And then we'd mutually discern that by talking with one another, saying, what do you think the Lord's saying to us? What do you think the Lord's saying to us? Well, why do you think that? We push back on each other all the time, right? And we're able to do that because our second essential principle which is it's not enough to be a staff. You've got to become a team and then a family. We, we're healthy. We trust each other enough to be able to push on each other enough because we know no one's got an agenda here. We just want what God wants. So you pray and then you argue, but you yes. argue based on what did we hear God say and what's the best idea here? Not like, I want to have my idea when. I mean, clearly... The early church, as we read about things in the Acts of the Apostles, these people are going at it as they're trying to wrestle with questions like, what do we do with these you know, Gentiles who want to become Christians? Like, do they got to get circumcised first? What, are we gonna, what kind of restrictions are we going to put upon them? These are not small little matters here, right? And this, no. th- these answers didn't come from really calm conversations. They came from prayer and then fervent discussions and arguments, which, which doesn't, uh, you know, that's not, not meant to convey something negative. That's just meant to convey something human, real. Uh, this is how we interact with each other, right? Yeah, passionate, unfiltered debate to come up with the best possible solution to the issue we're facing, right? I mean, that example we just, that story we shared, I mean, that was, a, that was an easy one. We've, we've been on off-sites together, we have gone at it for hours trying to land on what is God saying the strategy is. And it's argue prayer, argue prayer. 
And when we leave those conversations, landing on a conclusion, there is so much peace and joy and fervor for what we're doing because we know we, what we've done is we've taken it for the king and we've all got on the same page together. Um, Nick, do you remember when, um, do you guys remember when early on as God was forming this mission, um, we, we were having a number of opportunities come our way and we had them all on our whiteboard um, in the construction site, right? On our whiteboards in our conference room. And we were looking at all of this and we were asking ourselves, oh my gosh, what is the Lord? I think a, a great way to pray, like really practically to your question, Father, is ask God to show you what the Holy Spirit is doing. Hmm. And when we, when, when that, when, and when that question is taken before the Lord, I remember early on, we went to the chapel, we went into the, into the trailer and said, Lord, you know, what is your, what is your spirit saying to us? And uh, I remember we walked out of that. All of us walked out of the chapel, um, but uh, with having heard something. And I remember hearing uh, the passage from Genesis 12, 1. And it was, go to a land that I will show you. And that was really scary for us because that was uncharted territory. It sounded, it was something new. It was something that we hadn't pondered before. And yet when we pressed into that and had that robust, healthy conversation that you're talking about, we ended up landing on God's plan for what some of what our strategy would look like. And so I, right. I guess maybe just on a really practical level, um, that's something that we can take to the Lord in prayer. Show me what you're doing, Lord. That, that's, that's a fantastic question. So one of the operative questions in our mind then can be, you know, uh, Holy Spirit, show me what you're doing right now in our, in yeah. our community, right? So, so let's, let's, let's even make this even more practical, right? So I'm a pastor, I'm a leader. Today I'm hearing this, tomorrow I'm going to do it. Maybe today I'm going to do it. I'm going to get that one, two, three, five people together who I trust and I know don't have political agendas for, for our community. I'm going to say, hey, let's jump on a call. Let's have a, let's have a conversation. Let's get off the call and go pray. Half hour, hour, 15 minutes maybe if it's, you know, if, if, whatever, what. Take some extended time and ask that question. Holy Spirit, show me what you're doing right now. Father John, do you have another operative question that might be helpful for people who are going to do this? Yeah, I mean, so we use oftentimes that little image from uh, the movie Hacksaw Ridge, which I find just a really helpful prayer, which mm. is so timely in these days, right? So here's Desmond Doss in the middle of the battle, and he just falls to his knees, and he prays, and he says three things. What is it you want of me? I don't understand. I can't hear you. Uh, if, if there's a more pertinent prayer for these days than that, I don't know what it is. What is it you want, Lord? I don't understand. I can't hear you. And so just like Nick said, very practically right now, we want to encourage, uh, I want to encourage all my brother priests. And if you're a lay person listening to this and you serve for the priest, you call the pastor and go, hey, can we get on a call and can we pray? Mm -hmm. Because the reality is we are not gathering together as a parish as we were for some time, but we have to ask God, what is he asking us to do right now to care for the people entrusted to us? So get on a call, start praying every day together as a team. Bishops too, with the closest people to you and just ask, what is it you want of me? I don't understand, I can't hear you. And then trust that he will inform your prayer, huh? and then you get together and you talk. So, you know, as Christians and disciples of Jesus, especially in these days of Easter, we just can't reiterate enough. God acts, he saves, he speaks, 
Ask him to talk. Don't do this simple little formal prayer. And please don't do nothing. Do something. Get on the phone and pray together and then go at it. Then debate. Then try to find the best idea. But only after you've asked him. And, and, and we might perhaps just close with this. You know, the whole point of our name is not to be kind of cute, like, oh, that's neat. There is no 29th chapter of Acts, right? I mean, the point of, of this movement is to remind people that God is right now acting in history, even as he acted in history in the lives of the early church. The same God who wrote through the lives of Peter and Paul and John and James and Andrew and Thomas and Mary Magdalene and Our Lady, the same God who was working in their lives is working in our lives right now. He is writing at this moment the next chapter of the church. And he's doing that through you and through me, or at least he wants to. But only if we will ask him to show us what to do. God is not nervous right now. And he has a plan for your parish, for your diocese, for your family, and for your marriage, and for your life personally. Trust him as you go before him and ask him to give you ears to hear his voice. So thanks for listening. It's been fun to kind of hash this out. We hope this makes sense for everybody. We look forward to joining with you again next week on our next podcast. Remember, because God is a God who acts and who saves and who intervenes and who speaks, you don't have to be afraid. That God is the God who's with you. You were born for this moment.